And I spread a song so you can sing along With my special guest star or two You like to sing and dance And this podcast by chance Explores musicals for you everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me is a very special guest. He was on episode 21, West Side Story. He's still actor, performer, choreographer, dancer, stripper. Nope, not stripper, not anymore. Uh, not, anymore. <laughs> not anymore. It's Tony Guerrero, everyone. Hello, I'm, I'm imagining all this applause that's happening in my head. It happens in my head all the time. Um, <laughs> Tony, how are you? I am well. I am just really loving that a new season's beginning and flowers are blooming and things are opening up again. So it's a it's a it's stepping into a lot of positivity. I just love being able to be outside. I'm a I'm not I'm not a winter person. I am from Texas. I don't do this cold stuff. Uh, it is <laughs> to be noted that we are recording this in the springtime. Because I don't know when exactly it's going to come out. So. <laughs> oh, sorry if I screwed that up for you. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Well, it, happens. Great start. <laughs> it happens. I, re- I started recordings in like 2020 thinking of, like, you know, oh, people will Ooh. say 21 and they never did. So. Ooh. We're going to talk about 2020. <laughs> she, she doesn't exist anymore. I, I um, don't know her. <laughs> so when I originally told you that about doing this, you picked West Side Story, which obviously we covered. And you also were like, I need to talk about this movie, A Chorus Line. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any reasoning behind it? Like, were you in it, in a version of it somewhere? Funny you should mention. Um, well, okay, so Chorus Line is the reason I am a dancer now. It's literally the show that made me fall, discover dance for the first time. Um, I, and this, I'm gonna use these as my fun facts throughout because you're gonna chuckle. Um, Back in my high school theater days, <laughs> when I was an actor first, uh-huh, but not uh-huh. a dancer, um, I just kind of got peer pressured into doing the musical. I'm like, musicals? Who does musicals? And then like the really cool like prof- like senior guy who's like, hey, you doing the musical? He, he was like the actor to look up to. Brett Wersner, actually. He's currently a working actor. He's on TV right now. Amazing guy. And I was like, well, if Brett's doing it, then I guess it's okay if I do it. I grew up in Texas. I should probably mention that in the 90s. And uh, yeah, so and, and uh, we learned, I mean, clearly not the original choreography, but a pretty good representation of a high school version by Connie Sue Godwin. I don't know where you are. Find me. I miss you. But you introduced <laughs> me to dance. And that was the first time I like actually did eight counts and I never felt any more at home doing anything else in my entire life. And so that's when the dance bug bit when I was 15. And um, I've been fascinated with dance ever since. And here I am now. So who did you uh, play in this production? I'm so glad you asked. I was the pivotal iconic role of Larry Wrong Arm Guy, number 32, I think. Oh, he exactly. gets cut. <laughs> he gets cut. I was the only guy in the cast who can kick over his ass and my kid and I was front and center for the da 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 you know, opening number and my character got cut. I'm like, well, clearly my character slept with the wrong person because I should have stayed. I've been bitter about it ever since. Um. <laughs> but like in terms of this production, though, 
were you a, a swing like did your school do swings and understudies and things like that oh no 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 we i was just ensemble they let us come in for at the ballet and they, they threw us a bone to let us dance in the aisles for the ending but okay. no i practiced i i said three whole words and that was my i mean i was a sophomore so i guess i had to pay my dues uh but then, uh, but once I turned professional, yes, it's been my dream show. And I'm still very heavily attached to it for like that reason alone. And um, ooh, I never got cast. I came very, very close to the first national tour, um, but I no, never happened. But I don't really fit the characters though that well. Like I'm mm. always too, a little too brawny for Paul, um, not all American enough for Don. And I was always slated with people, oh, you'd be a good owl. I'm like, eh. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you no. can, you're not character actory enough for Mike. Oh, no, I'm not a Mike and I don't do all that. <laughs> I don't do that. Uh, but now I'm like, you know what? I'm ready for Zach. <laughs> so maybe I'll dust the shoes off and see <laughs> once theater opens up again. But, but we're uh, unfortunately talking about the movie version of this. Oh, yes, which... we are. <laughs> I I wrote I wrote down somewhere in my notes that the movie basically demolishes the whole premise of the show. Yeah, so I'm going to be speaking from that perspective of someone who knows the original material well and knows what the intent was and how the movie kind of forgot about that. <laughs> I I saw the revival with Charlotte Dumbois and mm-hmm. um crap, what was his name? Michael um, um, oh god Cerberus uh, no Jason, I'm, I'm looking at Jason Tam who played Paul oh I was talking about the guy who played Zach Zach yes J- Jason Tam is Paul that was that was glorious oh uh, I don't know who, I don't remember who I saw as Zach if I'm going to be totally honest oh, okay it went for a while but like you know I went down a little rabbit hole with the revival because there's another movie, but first let me get background of uh, a chorus line uh, yes. before we get too far. <laughs> chorus line, the movie came out in 1985, so about ten years after the stage version premiered on Broadway. The screenplay is written by Arnold Schulman, book by James Kirkwood Jr. and Nicholas Dante, music by Marvin Hamlish, lyrics by Edward Kleben, directed by Richard Attenborough. And according to IMDb, hopefuls try out before a demanding director for a part in a new musical. I, even in the show, they never say the show that they're doing, right? That's funny because, like, I was watching it with my husband, and he he asked the same thing, and I'm like, no, it's they, they never ever reference anything. Um, in the original script, they do say you'll you'll be backing up the star, and that's about as much information as you get. So they could be doing Goddess from Showgirls for all we know. But like they obviously <laughs> they need to know how to do everything, and I mean in the movie they at least when he references one, he talks about it being very vaudeville. So yeah, you kind of get a time period, but like I don't remember in the show if there was something. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right because he does say that too when he is uh, when they're running through the one routine for the first time as the audience sees it at least. And they're saying, everyone watch Larry. He's exactly the style I want. Very 30s. Actually, I thought it was 40s in the show. But either way, it's like around that golden era. Yeah, but you're right. That, that's all the information we're given. Because the story is really about the dancers who are getting into the show. So, I wrote down a bunch of questions, obviously. Um, hmm. 
What is the difference between chorus and ensemble? Is there one? It's essentially the same thing. It's it's okay. it, 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 it's synonymous, uh, pretty much synonymous with each other. And they um and the in the movie in particular, they mentioned that too in terms of like you know, well, I need to see you guys act because I need to see a few of you who, who could pop in for feature roles here and there, which is pretty much how it goes. So yeah, I would say it's like pretty much one of the same. Because I didn't know if like one meant you didn't speak at all and the other one meant you did or if there was a difference who knows no no basically yeah, a course is basically yeah basically packet dancers you, you well it depends on the show could be a pack of singers like in Les Mis but in this situation pack of dancers who uh, have to be maniacally talented triple threats who can dance act and sing and be able to <laughs> do step out roles but also cover the principles so if in theater yeah. world that means you have to be more talented than the person who's playing the principal role who does less and get paid less than that person get paid <laughs> and the day I realized that in my audition days I'm like wait a minute <laughs> wait what so in the movie, there are 11 songs. In the stage version, there are, ooh, what did I write? There's three more, well, technically three more songs, but like there's that whole montage segment, which is like a good chunk of the show. Gone. Gone. <laughs> but they hard cut to translate. that shit out. But hard to translate to film, to be fair. And they also had to condense the song list to focus way more on Cassie, apparently, which I have left of <sighs> Yeah, which okay. we'll get to <laughs> or, or not. let's get to it now because okay. you know i get it that they cast michael douglas as zach who I, I liked actually well so he's the director slash choreographer if i'm not mistaken yes of this show within the show and as a true director slash choreographer you never see him dance uh <laughs> no wrong in the in this traditional stage version he does do the opening choreography with the crew ah yeah because there he is gets, he, he gets to do it once and then he's like done <laughs> oh yeah because there like, is there is a larry and he does uh and he comes out for the finale as well traditionally okay uh, so usually zach does have to dance but not as much as everybody else and he comes on stage to fight with cassie like during that whole one sequence so that's all you see him because yeah but yeah you're right usually he's back in the dark of the godlike yeah because the stage version cassie doesn't show up like ridiculously late and everything right she's nope <laughs> and that's problem number one for because because uh the cassie it originally based off of donna mckechnie who originated the role was telling pretty much her own story they're already we're already losing our sympathy and des- uh, and the desperation of the character so she's supposed to blend in with everybody and just be one of the girls in the opening audition and when it comes down to making that first cut he's supposed to be like wait cassie and then she just takes her spot which means she paid her dues from the beginning like everybody else movie cassie however gets to roll up okay fine she flew in you can fly in the day before you know what the audition is and she comes in just expecting like oh here just give my name to the director just tell him i'm here I'm like, I already hate I'm, you because you're already entitled. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm late. I was stuck in New York City traffic, girl, so are other people. Exactly. But they showed I'm, up on time. I'm, yeah, meanwhile, like, all these dancers are doing this impossibly long combination. I'm like, how many combinations did you learn? Is this even an equity union audition? Like, they've learned an entire show. And then she shows up, hi, I'm going to stop this audition because you need to pay attention to me. And I was like, yuck, gross. <laughs> <laughs> so movie movie Cassie's already losing my sympathies. Yeah, and in, in the movie, they so they cut those songs. They cut Sing, which is like that the hurt. funniest thing ever. 
And that made Christine and Al pointless. Like, they completely lost their characters. They had to feature Nicole Fossey somehow. Eee, I did that. <laughs> Christine's supposed to be a breath of fresh air. <clears throat> and charming yeah. and lovable. And it's supposed to be, like, a really cute part of the show. So, like, in, the, in the movie, I can't speak for the show, because I, I didn't have the script in front of me. In the movie, she says that she's 19 and Al's 29. And I was just I like... Did girl what <laughs> <laughs> and he's apparently 28 i think it's 28 28 or 29 well, but he looks like he's 50 you know she looks like oh well, she's supposed to be 18 or 19 she's like 18 or 19 18, he's, she said and, 18 and he's 10 like, years Whoa. older than her and i was just like what <laughs> which means they got married i mean she was no younger than you know, older than 18 when they got married, because unless they got married just now, which means that they started a relationship before that. Whoa, she was 15, he was 25. <laughs> so that was a choice. <laughs> and then obviously um, you mentioned the montage. They made it monologues. They, yeah, they, they pulled the monologues out, I should they say. They extracted a couple of select monologues from the montage. Yeah, like the gonorrhea moment. Um, which, ooh, fun facts. So my Texas production, I, I can't believe they pulled that off at this first time, but like, it, it was so like <laughs> neutered in terms of material. And so we couldn't say milky white discharge. So the guy had to be like, girl dream, girl dream, girl dream, gonorrhea. It made no sense. Of course it didn't. Yeah. But, and, then the th- <laughs> and this is one of my biggest problems with the movie because the montage is supposed to really just encapsulate all the funny and ugly and weird swirls of moments of, of going through adolescence and all that shared experience that we all have in common. And they took that because, I mean, they did dedicate the time to make a production number out of it, but instead they, A, they ruined a perfectly good Richie song. Give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. Shit, Richie. Shit, and then they Richie. gave him another they, one that you're like, what? You're in a, having sex in a graveyard? And then and he's seeing surprise for like half an hour. And instead of this really like, which Cassie is a part of, that's another thing. They didn't let Cassie be part of the line. She was supposed to blend in with everybody and just have her moments with them too. Instead of just being locked in an office eating a sandwich with Larry. So we lose Cassie being a part of the ensemble. And uh, it went from this whole like celebration of being 17 and just becoming who you are. And it just turned into one big random 80s jazz orgy about Richie getting laid. <laughs> and <laughs> we, just, we spent all that time on Richie getting laid. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm just listening to it going, is Richie gay? Eggs, that's another thing. Because, I mean, it's never addressed in the show, but he's not exactly butch. But he didn't this, say who he hooked Richie up with, though. I'm saying, I'm saying this Richie. I don't mean Richie as a, in general, as a character. Right. I mean in the movie, because like, guy's got some moves, and the way that he oh, it's says, amazing. The way that he says some things, it's just like, you sure you're okay? Also, yeah. he was the assistant choreographer for the movie. Yes, but you know, there's no, there's no. Unless I'm forgetting, I don't think he mentioned anything about like she or her or. He he did mention she and her, but you know, I definitely heard a lisp here and there, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's just the actor shining through (laughs) as As her fabulous self." And then they totally butchered the music in the mirror and put in. Let, Let me, me dance, dance for, you. for you. 
Oh, it was so because I remember I haven't watched this movie since I was a teenager and really attached to it. And I remember being angry. I'm like, I will never watch this again. <laughs> this ruined my dream show. And having experienced it now as an adult, I was like, this is so much more cringeworthy than I thought. Especially getting into it, she's like, I'm a dancer. He's like, what? She's like, ha, ah, passe. I'm like, oh, this movie's <laughs> taking a turn. It's taking well, so a big turn. I couldn't see find anything about it because usually when they add a song or replace a song it's because they want that oscar oscar yeah and i don't think it was as heavy in 1985 as it is currently why they changed those songs i guess that would have been the one if that's what they were trying to do but they made this a terrible job <laughs> i don't like i'm not here to um but they, but they even like lifted lyrics from music in the mirror yes. at the beginning and just made it a different tune <laughs> Yes, and I was, because I was like, like wait, this is for music in the mirror, but it's let me dance for you. And she, but, it's presented as such a, oh, I love dance, instead of the guttural dignities on the floor. I'm here standing in front of you with all my, I just, I have no shame left. I just need a job. It's just so heart-wrenching, the monologue before, and the fact that her last line is, and the last thing I want to do is teach someone else what, what, how to do what I should be doing myself. God, I'm a dancer. And you're like, <gasps> And this was just like, yay, I'm fabulous. And it just was uncomfortable. And then she sings what I did for love, and I'm just like, no. Mm. Oh. Are, we, are, we, are we doing that now? Because... <laughs> <laughs> we could get back to it but at the same time i'm also just like so she so this cassie is separated from the rest of the line for 95 percent of the movie right yep would you say maybe 90 i'll give it 90 um finally zach caves after let me dance for you and he's like go learn one with them and then, my favorite part is when he like tells her to shut up. She's like, "Let me dance, like Cassie." I was like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then, um, during the one rehearsal, uh, he keeps telling her how better, how much better she is than than the line, which bullshit. But um, she's well, not just better just standing out when it's supposed to be precision dancing. She was dancing like a star when she was supposed to be dancing like a rockette. Those are two different styles. Well, and then so she dances like a rockette at first, and then the last time he calls her out, I was watching. She does not a hundred percent precision, but like she does fit in better, like this the later half of one before she gets called out, and it turns into like the nightmare music. The parody oh, version yeah. of it. When he's like, is this what you want to be? And they're like, what? Yeah. It's, it's so, it sends chills down your spine and it stays risen. And um, and yeah, that's when like they break down the message. Like, you're a star. Is this really what you want? She was like, well, yeah, they're wonderful. What's wrong with being the ensemble? Yeah, and so... And it's a valuable job. In the movie, she says their names. And I'm just like, how do you know their names? You've been away for... Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. Because usually she would know their names because she's on the line with them hearing their stories. You're absolutely right. She's... Uh, like, uh, so bad. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't catch that. Yeah. But, yes. yes me. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> have you heard about the documentary called Every Little Step? Oh my God, absolutely. I saw that like in the theaters after I got cut from Radio City. Not a good idea. 
<laughs> wow. like, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut from a large dance call and then go see a documentary about getting cut from a large dance call. My favorite show, <laughs> and I'm still not entirely sure if I wasn't in it somewhere in a holding room. I saw I thought I saw myself in a frame. I'm like I don't remember cameras, but it, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they so for those of you who don't know, every little step is a documentary that follows the audition process for the 2006 revival. As well as you find out how Michael Bennett came up with the show, because he's he was the original director choreographer for it. He, he project manager really also because uh, <laughs> it, it was it was collective storytelling. Yes, Sorry, I, you were you were getting there. I was I was just looking up and like he's not credited for writing the book, but like he basically wrote the book for it in a way. And based off of because essentially got like a bunch of chorus people in an apartment in I think Lower East Side or something like that. And they just got a bunch of wine and sat down, hit a hit a recording, and they just told their stories around, in the round. And a lot of those stories ended up being in the final products in a chorus line. For instance, uh, the original Connie Wong by Orc Lee, who has been entrusted with restaging this show's today even to today. She's incredible. She's a firecracker. Uh, just auditioning for her is just such a thrill. Watching uh, her all of energy. Watching her watch the people audition for her role. Because she was the original all right, so Bayerkley was the original Connie yeah. and was the inspiration for Connie's story. Four foot um, ten. And you you watch you you see her fall in love with certain individuals to play her role, and she's just like, This is so difficult. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, and, and I love that she was also just trying to fight Asian stereotypes too. That was just like, yeah, I'm not cute. This isn't about being cute. Just because they're Asian, they don't have to be cute. I don't right. want cute. <laughs> I, I like, think t- so. I'm trying to remember. I think I saw a non-Asian person play her when I went to see it, uh, see the revival. Oh, the revival. Yeah, because I so was going to say because there think are it some was, built-in features. I think it was a swing that uh, playing Connie that night because if me, I I, re, I vaguely remember, and I could also be mixing this up with like another production I saw somewhere, but like I vaguely remember them not doing the Asian references. That well, night. that's fu- interesting you bring that up because what's really extra interesting about the course line property is there are built in alternatives in the scripts if you don't have the right cast. Oh, I didn't so know Con- that. Connie is one of them because <laughs> my high school did that. We didn't have Asians. So it, if, if, if there's not an Asian actor for that role, it becomes Connie McKenzie. And then they, and, and the lyrics change. So instead of King and I, King and I, it's summer stuck, summer stuck. Okay. And all those, and her, her monologue has changed. She's not from Chinatown anymore. It's more focused on her, on her size, the whole four foot ten thing. So, yeah, they cover I mean, their asses pretty well. That's that's awesome that they <laughs> right? that they had the foresight for that. Because, like, yes, it would be great if you had, um, you know, a racially diverse cast. But there are some places where you can't do that because of the talent level that comes in. Or like the people who audition for it, like you can't be like, "Ooh, we can't do this because this what we can't fill this one slot." <laughs> <laughs> right? You, you figure it out. Um, 
But like, and then you kind of mentioned earlier, Donna McKechnie played Cassie and was the inspiration for Cassie, basically. But I was watching it and I was a little confused because like, is Paul really that hard to cast? (laughs) What makes you ask that? Well, so Paul has to be one that dances, obviously. He has to be able to like kick his face and everything. But like, if you're an actor, you should be able to deliver that monologue beautifully no matter what. Yeah. I mean, you have to, I guess with this team, because they were so much attached to the original production, they found it difficult because they knew the people that they were influenced by. But like me as not somebody, if I were to direct it, I'd be like, I don't think I would have that emotional attachment to it. You know what I mean? And that's just supposed to be a heartbreaking moment. And and that, that's another thing about the movie overall is it has a pacing problem and so many mm. moments don't land the way they're supposed yeah. to. There's, there's, there's not enough weight to what is supposed to have weight. And that's supposed to be without one, you can hear a pin drop in the theater moment. And he was just, it, it, to me, it, it sounded like he was just kind of listing off a grocery list. He's like, and then men touched me, and then I went, and then they made me a drag queen, and then my parents came, and then they saw, and then that sucked, and then they got kicked out, and I'm crying. Yeah, I'm like, wa- watching Jason Tam's audition in um, every uh, little step, every little step, I was just like, I was crying with them. That is how it is done. Yeah, and that's hard to do eight times a week. Power to him. All the Pauls, <laughs> all, all the Pauls out there who access that every day, every day twice a day sometimes but yeah that was that was a letdown it just didn't and, and but also the way the pacing went and how much they like ripped out of the monologue like you didn't get to really live in the seediness of the Times square scenes it just we, it, we kind of fast forwarded through the story which was another part of it and it's also hard to mm-hmm. for an actor to attach to it because the pit um the the beats just weren't there for him to follow that much as much as the original i get it we're cutting for time we got to focus more on cassie miss <laughs> <laughs> darbus in the future needs needs her moment she went on to be in she went on to be the music the theater teacher in high school musical movies oh you I didn't know, know that, that. <laughs> yeah i never saw them high school movies i was too old uh well you know same person different color hair uh <laughs> do you okay so paul is the one he gets injured at the end do you yeah. think though if he didn't get injured he would be in the running for the role for a role absolutely the state show kind of infers that because usually when it comes to the final wedge formation he's always at the front and it's like oh paul is there it's spirit like yeah he, he would have because i mean at the end he gave zach what he really needed he finally just like stepped up and faced his fears and just let himself be vulnerable and just talk and tell a story and just be bare like that so um, so he showed Paul that he has access to himself like that, if need be. And his dance, he was clearly there. And he was cute. And he's one of the only people who looked age appropriate for their role. Yeah. Like, and I maybe, believe he's 22. I mean, I don't think Nicole Fossey is 18, but I believe that she was around that age. Yeah. You know, or... And, um, and B, uh, BB, I believe she was, she was a good... Uh, she, I don't think she was 19, but I believe she was around that. Like Michelle, I, Michelle Johnston as, as a baby. It's so weird. Again, I saw this one as a teenager, so they're all like grownups to me. But now that I'm older, <laughs> I'm like, these kids. <laughs> and she looks like a kid. It was amazing. 
fun fact that I saw about this, Richard Attenborough, the director of the movie, wanted unknowns for the actors to be on the line. But when it came to Val, Audrey Landers was on the TV show Dallas for 78 episodes before filming a chorus line. Before landing that. She was sublime. I'm sorry. That was a good Val. She only got the role because Richard Attenborough didn't watch Dallas. So. (laughs) So off-rock talent. Good for her. She was unknown to him, but Mm. she still got the role. Also, also, she's not seen in the white shots with the entire cast. It's a body double. She, She has the least dance experience out of all of all of them. That makes sense. So, like, huh. uh, when you watch Surprise, Surprise, it's somebody else. But then when it's a close-up of her, it's her. Yeah, with her hands pressed out. Because she gets to lead that group formation for the color change. She's like, now we're going into 80s orgy mode. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just read that and I was like, so you auditioned for a role where you had to dance and you're not a dancer. <laughs> okay. She pulled a Cassie. Hi, I feel like I just deserve this. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Well, and that's the thing too with her with Val's song. I'm gonna sound sexist, and I'm so sorry, but I didn't feel <laughs> like Audrey Landers fit the role for that song. No, no, because I didn't think. Well, because you have the woman playing BB, who uh, and Nicole Fossey, whose breasts look larger than hers, but their bodies are still very different. The bodies are different, but, like, I read it more as the point that, like, she's got breasts. And, like, that's the whole point of the song. Like, she's got... Right. She's got tits and ass. And, like, that's the, that's the joke. And I was kind of missing the tits. <laughs> <laughs> they're presented. They're pushed up and definitely they're, prominent. She's got a snatched body and... Oh, my God. A, her body's impossible. It's like she's been... It, it's like her body's a corset. It's incredible. <laughs> and, um... Um, but also that but her story comes from like not having them to begin with and then ha- and then getting them and suddenly getting jobs right whereas yeah. bb has a body she's younger but her whole thing is she was never she was always told she was never pretty so it's a little bit different so where where bb may have gotten jobs because she's a great dancer or whatever i don't, I don't know i never thought to make this the comparison because val's whole thing is like i didn't get cast didn't get cast until i bought these and suddenly i got cast (laughs) (laughs) but one of the good things from the movie and probably the only good thing i would say is that song where at the end of it she whispers where the doctor is yeah as a choice i love that because like Mm. obviously she's just like you know go see this doctor he's on Sorry, I get 73. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was sad that um because again, I, I I love, love, love the way she performed that. And actually the way what she pointed out in terms of her being different than the rest of the cast, that makes sense. I mean that's why she acted the shit out of it, because she's like she's an actor and singer for actor first. It was so entertaining, but I I, I did, you know, I mean, come on, we, we don't have to cut this for time, but I did miss the rivalry with Sheila Sheila during that song usually. See what I'm talking about? During, uh, after after she pauses, you're all looking at my, my tits now, aren't you? And then Connie's like, I'd be happy with just one of yours. Actually, no, before that, it's usually Sheila's going, they're not that big. And then Val's like, <laughs> I heard you, bitch. 
Plus, I didn't want them like yours. I wanted them in proportion. And I, then Connie's like, I wish I had only one of yours. Go on and buy them. Uh, I, I was like, you could have squeezed that in. This Sheila moment. I fucking love, love Sheila, though. Like, they gave her so many opportunities in this movie. I think it's in the stage version, too, where she's just, like, not really paying attention. And she's doing her hair during the big group audition. And she snaps back at Larry when he's like, you knew the combination earlier. And she's like, I knew it when I was in the front. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. usually it's just that one, it's just that one moment. The movie made it look like she was a little less respectful by just being in the mirror the whole time and not really dancing and walking off more. And I thought I'm it was more okay powerful when it was that. just the one time. <laughs> I'm personally again, okay with that. <laughs> it gave it gave her a little bit more, you know? Like Yeah. The the ones though that fall at the wayside, it seems like Bobby and Gregory, you know, her gaze. Like, come on. Yeah, although Bobby never specifically says he's gay. He's just super weird and kind of gay. <laughs> uh Greg is like, gay, 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 gay. And then I also oh, another another Cassie steals the show moment when she get, gets dismissed and runs backstage to make that phone call. Don is giving his introduction. He's the first one to speak. And we don't see it. We, it's just background noise. I'm like, see, that's just rude. That's, that's an entire yeah. character we don't get to get. And by focusing so much on the Cassie thing and the Cassie-Zach thing, I get it. You need a lady, lady, whatever. But she's not supposed to. Mm, debatable. We don't have enough time to fall in love with all the characters on the line. We only get to fall in love with a couple of them. And it's much less ensemble-based, which is, ironically, the entire point of Chorus Line. Right. And that's what I said earlier. <laughs> I, I, I wrote that. I forgot where I wrote that down, but I was just like, the movie just like took the point of the show and just went nope, nope. Which okay, okay since we're there, we're, I'm I'm going to do this now. And this is the biggest biggest problem to, uh, to, for me apparently is when at the end, Cassie and Zach have their fight, 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 fight during one, mm. and then she goes off. And again, I'm like, sweetie, like, are you trying to prove that you're out for blood and just ready to be an ensemble member or are you going to be a diva because they're still rehearsing and she's like I'm, I don't want to tap I want to go up to Raptors and sing a song I'm not going to do that combination I'm like you're, you just stopped auditioning like are you trying to be an ensemble member and be a team player or are you just trying to be a diva so she goes up climbs the stairs and they give her the song what I did for love and it pissed I me off I fucking hated that that is so rude because a you're repurposing the word love in the song for a love for another person that is not what that song is about no that song is about the love for what you do and the thankless craft of being a dancer who's never going to be the star never going to get paid falls and slips and breaks an ankle sorry about you hope you have insurance and it's supposed to happen after the, the what would you do if you can't dance anymore moment. And, it's, and they went the extra mile of taking the ensemble out of the vocals entirely. That's supposed to be all of their voices blended together in the most beautiful harmony, their last moment, telling the world, this is what I did for love. I will never regret what I did. I may die early because I didn't have a job after this and I didn't have a savings or insurance or whatever. But you know what? I did what I did because I love it. And that's why I'm here. And that's what this entire story is about. And they took that, gave it to the lead and made it about a relationship. And it's and supposed I to be Morales it. singing it, right? Like she's Morales. Supposed- yeah, and it's supposed to be an ensemble member, not the lead. <laughs> like, you got this so wrong. <laughs> well, so it's interesting that you keep calling Cassie the lead because in the 76 Tonys, Donna McKechnie won for a leading actress. 
But in the 2000, 2007 Tonys for the revival, they had Charlotte Dembois uh, put in for Best Featured Actress. Yeah. It's weird because it, she's seen as the female lead, I guess. But it's, I don't know. I can't really speak on how that's supposed to be structured. I'm just saying they're treating her character like the star of the whole of the, movie. Well, yeah, is my point. In the sh- in the show version, though, she's she has a little more, but it's the on- the whole group. Yeah, and she moves to the ensemble and just blended in with the ensemble wow. the entire time. And that's kind of the point. We just really get to focus on her story and she gets that show-stopping number that goes on for hours and hours. It takes all kinds of training. There's a whole, there's an entire Cassie training camp thing that happens for the Cassies who do particularly bioarch shows. <laughs> and it's exhausting the, to hear about. For the, the backbend moment and like... Oh, uh, for, the entire, for the entire thing. For, you know, I mean, standing... Just think about that. Think about standing on a line in your heels just standing most of the time and then suddenly moving for out the ballet and montage and everything. And then having to pull that number out of nowhere when you only have like 30 seconds to stretch during Paul's monologue. <laughs> and then dance, 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 bah! and then stop, finish, applause, applause, applause. <laughs> so Zach, we're still talking. <laughs> I'm like, now this woman has to talk. Just, you know, I'm sorry. Hand every Cassie a Tony just for the cardio aspect. I mean, what just a demanding sur- role! Just for surviving the. <laughs> I've heard. I've heard a lot of. Um, I, I'm a dear friend of mine, Sarah Bowden, who was one of the most recent Biarkley Cassies. She did the Hollywood Bowl. She's insanely stupid, talented, lovely person, um, and she was the one to really tell me what that whole process was like. And I'm like, oh my god, you are resilient. You are a beast, and I bow down to your resilience as a human being and performer. So are we? Are you saying that like, Bayork even gives them the stretches to do right before, like during Paul's monologue? Oh uh, no, I'm just saying that's the only time Cassie has a second to like breathe before oh. she has her big number. <laughs> um, but Bayork does have her own Bayork Lee workout that she has the her casts do that's apparently intense, insanely intense before shows. That Donna McKechnie probably did, and that's what they found works. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the reason why they came up with it. I don't know if it happened back then. I couldn't speak to that, but I, I, I've heard about the Bayard workout, and it sounds incredible. I so. would rec- I would recommend going to watch Every Little Step to everyone who listens to this podcast, because oh, yeah. you get a little more respect for the show. Uh, the movie's still hot garbage. I feel like <laughs> I feel like they could do the movie as the show, right? Does that make sense? Basically, take the show, put cameras in front of people, go. That's all you need. You don't need like the whole backstory of Cassie and Zach. Well, it's there. It's just a dialogue. We don't have to see the whole thing. It just right. kind of takes away from. Yeah, we 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 don't. You don't need to do everything that they did in this movie. I feel like a chorus line deserves to be uh, have a a second chance at a, at a movie. Personally, yeah, and they, and they need to decide like how they want to treat it as a musical because the way this one starts out, uh, for I hope I get it. You know, it starts in their heads and then they're singing it. <laughs> it's like I don't know if I get. I hope I get it. And their mouths are moving. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, can we can we pick which one we're doing because. Even Paul's monologue, who am I anyway, in his head, am I my resume with his mouth? 
So it's, just, it's like it, it just didn't it didn't it's like it didn't know how to be a musical and and then you know mike getting into his and i got i went into a class and i'm watching this closely whoa, whoa, whoa i'm startled by a song all of yeah a that that song got like the axe and it was so upsetting i i told you before I could, we started i wrote down why the I wrote as a question, why does this movie get shat upon around the time I can do that happens? And then the rest of the movie happened and I went, delete, I see why. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just, yeah. it does, I feel like it, it deserves a, sh- a chance. Because like, the show itself is amazing. Or, or do you think it would have worked better as a live? One of the live broadcasts. Hmm. What, what would what would be better uh, a, a cinematic movie you know like go to theaters and everything or a live I feel like it's it's a hard one to translate to film especially the way what the expectations are now because but the way these musicals happen now like I, like for instance Chicago I feel like that set a, sta- a new standard where the musical numbers are in her head and now we get to be fantastical about it not have it be weird because it's a fantasy and we can believe it whereas dream girls, we're on stage and it's a stage thing. And then halfway through the movie, suddenly, what about what I want? Now we're singing to each other halfway through and everyone's laughing. So chorus line would be tricky too, because it's like they get lost in the world and and their monologue. And I like how they did at the ballet for this movie in particular. They kind of let it drift off into space a little bit. That would just be hard to to pull off for today's audience, I would imagine. And kind of same thing for, um, uh, maybe it would be better for a live or maybe it just needs to just be a show. (laughs) And it's hard okay. to, um, and, yeah, and it loses a lot. Of, and I feel like it lost a lot of its personality by by updating it to the '80s because originally the show takes place in 1975, and we lost all the specific references about like the cornerstones of these people's journey toward puberty or sex or mm. finding out they're gay or whatever. And they took out. And I had to. I was about to be like, "Why is it?" Because <laughs> clearly we're in the '80s in the opening with the choreography, and I was like, um, "If we're still supposed to keep this material, suddenly all these dancers are 30 and Cassie's and, and, and Sheila's 40." But the only reference they kept was the red shoes with Sheila's monologue. But my husband, who was uh, saw her, then he's like, um, "Yeah, that would not happen. That was what our parents watched, so that's an old reference." But the rest they just took out. But extracting all of those, you know, I Peyton Place. I learned. I, I read Peyton Place in the bathroom uh... by the hour. Like it was just it, the specifics are where the heart lied. So it'll always, always be a period piece. So unless you completely retool the script for a new audience, but even if we. Do, Chorus line today would be a whole other story because now it'd be about TikTok and watching music videos and finding your way into being a dancer now is a different, different story than it was back then. So I think it's just, I don't know. I pr- I'm a purist. I'm like, just leave it alone. Let it be what it is. Let it leave me a show. <laughs> okay. I mean, I get it when, it when you do movies like this, even though we in the business living in New York, we can like make fun of it and obviously call it shit and all that i get that it's trying to appeal to the masses but like a chorus line i feel like is one of the few shows that's like done everywhere if i'm Mm -hmm. not mistaken because you have 17 people who can dance depending on wherever you do it (laughs) whatever the dance level is and it you know you've got the you've got the what I did for love, you got the nothing, got all the songs that people know. And yeah, I guess you're right. (laughs) I think you're right saying that. 
let's go into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Yes. Sharp. Flat. Obviously, in this section, we're going to highlight some more moments or moments that we've talked about. If we really liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or hated it, it's flat. Uh, yes. What are Do you have any sharp moments? I have five. <laughs> um, I, I have quite a few of both, so I'll just kind of like... The, my first sharp moment is Michelle Johnston's dancing, the BB. Uh-huh. The actress Michelle Johnston in the opening number just, oh, or throughout the whole thing. Like, she is such a powerful dancer. And so it was really, really cool to just watch her again, especially since she has moved on in her life 10 years later to my favorite cult classic, Showgirls, as Gay the Line Captain. So it's just such a treat to go back and watch her as, to me, now a kid just slaying it her lines her precision her body rolls and everything and how much sex she brought to the whole thing uh it was a treat (laughs) (laughs) Uh, do you have anything any other ones oh i have several um keep going um, keep going keep going okay so yeah um i yeah i really enjoyed the valve performance in this just the monologue and everything and her her movements her choreography during the tits and ass and everything i just was so tickled by it and um it was a high point in the show for me i loved morales and her outfit it was so perfectly 80s like fresh off of fame <laughs> amazing drag beats and uh, she really connected with with her lyrics on the one song they let her have uh, um at least they let her have that song. Like, you need yeah, that song. I'm, I'm glad that stayed. So uh, I was I'm here for Morales. I will say one of my favorite moments in the movie that I didn't notice until now. So Sheila's monologue. You know, she's flirting with Zach and everything. And she's performing too much. And Zach freaks out. I was like, oh, my God, everyone, just stop performing. Just let your hair down. She's like, okay. Oh. It's in a bun. <laughs> and then we cut to Zach. And then we cut back to her. And she's like, is this better? And she has an entirely new wig on. <laughs> She's got <laughs> the luscious, beautiful hair that just was just in a sweaty bun right before that. <laughs> and sprayed. And it's just like, it's, it's seriously like a wig change between takes. It was so, like, that just tickled me. I did love the way they staged at the ballet. That's always going to be a favorite. And the way they kept it. And I, I didn't really notice until now um, unless there's some magic they pulled that I know about that the whole thing was in one take or at least the second monologue the all the way through it, yeah. third was really in one take and so, uh, until we start going. I did miss the musical overlap the da 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 that's what he said boo, 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 boo. that's what she uh-huh. said oh they did was cut like, that okay. oh, that was my favorite they did not have to cut that give Cassie one less flashback <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did miss that musical moment. Um, I did like Michael Douglas as Zach. I mean, um, he clearly wasn't going to dance with everybody, but uh, I thought he was a nice commanding performance. And special shout out to the finale with all the dancers at the final kick line at one. And the one person who's second row, third from the right, who famously fell down and got back up and kept on kicking. I did not see that. And I need to rewatch it. <laughs> so just, I, if you just, just Google it and just know <laughs> it's the guy, uh, the person, second row, third from the right. And it's during the big zoom out before the credits start rolling and the person like kick and a kick because they kick for freaking ever. It's, a, it's so rude for those dancers. And this person fully falls and eats it and gets back up and keeps on kicking. I'm like, and that is a dancer. And that is a professional. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I wrote down... 
Sheila in all caps with two exclamation marks afterwards. Yes. Just, just because she's basically a drag queen the whole movie. <laughs> Pretty much. With prescriptions. Uh, with prescriptions. <laughs> I wrote down Mike's parachute pants. I love them. Oh my god, yeah. I don't Me understand. Too. Okay, so dancer, right? When you oh, yeah. rehearse or audition or whatever you're dancing, do you prefer tight or loose clothes? Because in the movie, it seemed like everyone had both. And I get it, Usually, it's and all that, but like... In, yeah, in the heyday, the, the classic theater dance presentation is form-fitting clothing that shows your body. That's a classic yeah. way. Now, things are different today. They were different a couple of days ago, too. Uh, but yeah, that's usually the rule of thumb. So he got away with like not showing his legs. But like, Meanwhile, Al's got a shirt open and... Well, I feel Val, like Val's naked. <laughs> I feel like for Mike, it worked for when he did his turns, and that's why they gave it to him. Yeah. But then you have Paul in jeans, and I'm always just like, ah. <laughs> that's before they, before they had the stretchy jeans, too. So I don't know how he pulled that off. Magic. Okay, so I know we shat upon Let Me Dance With You, but I really liked the moment where Ka- the dance break in it, where Cassie's on the stage with the mirrors all upstage. I don't know why it was, I think it was because like you saw her in all the mirrors and it, it's a I'm classic a su- Cassie moment. That's it. That, yeah. That's I'm what a, we're expecting to see. I'm a sucker for that. You know, same thing happens in Chicago and I fall for, fall in love with it every time. And I think it's also in the producers. So get me some mirrors and people being angled just right. I love it. Um, I agree. <laughs> So right before the parody version of one, the rehearsal, I really liked the, what I call the chaotic version where they mm-hmm. go like one, two shoulder, where yeah. the group has the contagion, own. the contagion situation. Yeah. It was really well staged the way they did it here too. And then again, I just love mirrors, but this one is great. And the one finale with the lookalikes coming through, you know, they, nice. I was just like, yes, cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Mirror tricks. And so, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a movie, so go big, I guess. And so instead of having just the line that we're used to seeing, let's just let everybody on. But that also speaks to, you know, the overall message that even though you got cut that one day, it doesn't make you any less of a fabulous dancer. It just wasn't the right job for you or luck of the draw or you couldn't see you or whatever. And so to me, that message giving the entire audition ensemble that gold costume was really a nice touch and that's and usually basically how it's saying done, right? everyone's beautiful no i wish really it's usually no it's usually just the line plus zach and larry wow so those ensemble people <laughs> don't get to come back on stage it sucks uh yeah so it was that ending was great uh well, what do you have for flats oh well i'm gonna condense this <laughs> um <laughs> The I mentioned the '80s update, but I they did adjust the material, so it made sense. So fine, have it. Um, I already talked about sex with that. Cassie's approach to the audition, yeah, she sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, flat for Greg's back hair. <laughs> he, he delivers a monologue like "Rock my Joseph Meyer, Beckenstein, very East Side. I don't deny it. Born Boomba, and then he does his turn. And it's just like a mountain of back hair <laughs> springing out of his shirt. I was like, oh, if you're going to take that gesture, at least like take that down a notch. 
Um, surprise, uh, yeah, I, disappointed in the whole Christine and Al situation. Got the <laughs> shaft, and but Christine's just like, oh, she's supposed to be charming and cute and adorable and funny, like just charmingly befuddled, kind of like in a Hugh Grant way. And it was just didn't do that. And they gave they took they took her moment away, so that made me sad. Already talked about the surprise number and how we went on way too long about Richie getting laid. <laughs> <laughs> And um, ooh, ooh, do you remember Don's monologue that he popped out of out of nowhere? Exactly. So they, they took away his intro, and then so we don't really know who he is. He barely has material in the show to begin with. And then somewhere along the line, he guts out and he walks around and he faces the line. He's the one who's like, I'm a waiter. That's my resume. But my resume right. says dancer, but I'm a waiter. So I wait tables. But I got kids. Yeah, I got kids. And you know, what What happened? If we fall, if we break, whatever. But you know, I'm a waiter. But oh, I'm a dancer. right. And you know what? You know what? And that was kind of it. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Where he says a stream of words and it doesn't it connect. Had, it went absolutely nowhere. And like, and, and furthermore, he was just so like menacing toward everybody by like going down the line and getting face to face with everybody. I'm like, you're in their personal space. I mean, I know we're in the days of social distancing, but like, you're in my bubble. Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> There's this big angry monologue about being a waiter that went absolutely nowhere. <laughs> so yeah, that was unfortunate. And I think I pretty much covered, oh, and uh, I covered, we, we covered pretty much the rest of my obvious flats, but my last flat, I'm sorry, Actors Equity Association definitely existed during the time of this movie. And I don't know how you, Equity would ever approve of this long an audition without a break, a million numbers on your feet, totally abusive. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And then, so you know, you start learning a new combo and you're like, but it's been out. Like they learned the entire show and they never got to sat down. And, and like, fi- finally, Al was like, can we have a break? Okay, five minutes, but that's it. I'm like, they got there at probably nine in the morning to start. They probably got there at five to get in line. It's probably five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock now. And they had five minutes off the entire time. We're calling the union. That was rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, whose union? I think it was an open call. I think that's the whole point of it. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's how it was back then. Because I know it's the '80s and everything, but it, that that would not happen today in an equity course call. Like the, there are so many violations. Let them sit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they haven't eaten since like five in the morning. Oh my god. Um. Anyway, I I also didn't like the '80sness of the music. I mean, too much synth for me. You don't like um, the Casio stuff? <laughs> no. Um, was it a finale? <laughs> The chopping of the song, surprise, surprise, the song itself. It brought me joy, but I also hated it. Cassie's bird's nest of a wig in the flashback. <laughs> in the studio? Yeah. In the st- all, all of it. I was just like, mm, it's it's a choice. Not that, was the right a thirsty, one. that was a thirsty, thirsty wig. That was a, it reminded me of me, Marion, and Robin Hood uh, Men in Tights. <laughs> um i also wrote down what i did for love how they treated it and then which they didn't change the whole premise of the show the show is great you have everything you need right there all you literally have to do if you're going to do a movie version is just put cameras in front of people that's it Mm -hmm. that's all you need if you wanted to update it fine if you wanted to like i can forgive the 80s-ness of the music and 
some of the dancing, I don't think, well, obviously wasn't from the original. So I can none of, none of it was from the original. <laughs> wasn't one part of the original? No, that was not the original choreography. The only shape from the original was that Cassie back then. That so was like, the only reference I saw. So like I can forgive them for not doing the original because I don't know it off the top at all. But like you change the whole premise of it. Why? It, it didn't need to be. It just, it, it just shows that the filmmakers didn't get the whole point. And it just kind of strained the heart out of it. Mm-hmm. Like it pulled the heart and by making the cuts and like keeping the pacing moving along, just trying to like blah, blah, blah. I felt nothing, you know, moving. Well, that one they got to land actually. But yeah, it just kind of took the heart out, out of everything, focused too much on one character and just missed the point. Because that's why the show was so groundbreaking and still so groundbreaking because it's not about the ingenue. There is no ingenue. It's about the it's about the ans- yeah. ensemble. Yeah. The ensemble. And that's it. That's the entire purpose is just like this is what we do. We know we're not here to be famous. We're not here to be stars. We get the worth the backups. And that is okay. That's wonderful. That's what we train for. And that's all we want. And it just proves as artists, because yeah, I'm always in a I'm always gonna defend fellow dancers. Like we are the bottom of the barrel. You know, we're always the least paid, the most horribly treated, the most talent expected out because again we're supposed to do what we do kick our faces do tricks i don't even know what they're requiring people these days (laughs) all the styles ballets tap hip-hop meow whatever and be able to sing and belt and act and be good enough to jump into a principal track at a moment's notice and that's why i always appreciate uh, bernadette peters for saying like i was not talented enough to be in the ensemble she's like I can be Bernadette, I can give you the song and everything, but let's talk about the dancer girl behind me who can kick her face and do a billion other things and still, I mean, it's not going to say necessarily, or it could be, because then you have Sudden Foster who famously got the chance because the lead role person was out. She got to inherit the role. She's like, yeah, by the way, I do all three. And finally, someone gets to recognize it. And now she's a star. (sighs) So this uh, is the moment for the dancers, not for Cassie. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, would you add any of the songs from the movie to your life's playlist? Oh, What I Did for Love. Easy. Really? Because that's the message. What's that? Really? You're surprised? What I Did for Love? Yeah, because I didn't like it at all. The song What I Did for Love? Are we talking about the same song? From the movie, I didn't like it. <sighs> Oh, from the movie. movie. Yeah, that's why I, I oh. specified what songs from the movie would you add to your life's playlist. I know I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Then <laughs> uh, I guess, if, okay, if it's based off the movie situation, you know, tits and ass, why not? Yeah. I wrote down, <laughs> I wrote down Dance Henders looks through nothing and at the ballet. Like those are the, those are the staples. The rest of it is and, yeah. I should say at the ballet. I'm not. I'm, I'm. I was never a ballet dancer. Like I was the jazz guy. So I would like go to ballet and then go cry in my car for having terrible turnout and have, <laughs> never being able to hit those lines. But the message is still there. But like the the women who sing it in the movie and how it's orchestrated is so beautiful. And I'm just like, all right, you're right. They didn't okay. leave that one alone, did they? They let it be an orchestra yeah. moment instead of a Casio moment. And I yeah. did appreciate that. That did stand out to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think nothing, they may have like just kissed it with 80s, but it wasn't too much. And then Dance 10 Looks 3 also, again, they kissed it with just the eight, 80s mm. style music, but like had the same effect to it. 
let's see. Would you, okay. I know this is not on the outline. I like to ask actor friends this. If you could pick any part in the stage version or the movie, whichever, who would you want to play? I've always wanted to play Paul. Always, always, always. Because to, to connect that, like, you know, as, as a gay man, like, just to be able to find a place to just put that in a monologue is something you really connect to. Because, you know, when I came up in theater when I was a teenager, there really weren't a lot of monologues like that that mm. involved things that I went through growing up. I didn't do drag, but um, well, I did, you know, professionally for a show, but that's not the same thing as being... <laughs> recruited by 42nd street and being caught by your parents but no it was it's a beautiful moment he's a it's, it's a good dance feature too and uh an amazing challenge as an actor so i've always always wanted to be paul but i wasn't always the paul type physically what they go for so with these days i would say zach <laughs> i'm zach h now i can see you be zach or larry or larry yeah larry's kind of thankless though and you have to be kind of perfect i'm not perfect <laughs> yes you are tony <laughs> And <laughs> speaking of, we're at the end. Okay, so. Oh my God. So, Tony, do you have anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, yeah, so please follow me on Instagram, Tony Guerrero5678. That last name is G U E R R E R O5678. And um, <laughs> among other things, you can always find me teaching my burlesque jazz class at Broadway Dance Center in New York City. So, let me dance for you. <laughs> <laughs> You've got that back bend going. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Some of it's still there. <laughs> I, I can still hike a leg, though. <laughs> and if you want to get in touch with the podcast, uh, you can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttasongpod. Seriously, come go on the Instagram. It's popping. That's where all the stuff is. Write in with your thoughts on the movie. I mean, if you are a diehard fan of the movie let us know and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation we're going to be talking about hearts beat loud but you know what overall like we said a lot about this movie and a lot of it's been negative but it is still dance representation on film and it's still a story about dancers and jobs for many many dancers who are have, have since been my teachers uh, it was fun to scan the credits oh. to see all the amazing dance teachers who I have now who are choreographers who were in the original movie. And so um, I'll take it. <laughs> Any kind of representation, good movie, bad movie, I will still appreciate seeing dance on film. I love dance on film, especially when it's tap yeah. dance on film. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.